What a weekend of football. We had upsets. We had teams that finally showed up. We had teams that forgot to show up. Some rivalry games got really heated. Punches were thrown. Late hits took some guys out. We had a walk-off record-setting field goal to prove me right this week. And overall, it really felt like football season is finally officially here. Welcome to the TNA Top 10 Week 3 Review. Andrew, I know you have something on your mind. What's up? Teams that didn't show up. Let's start at the top with fucking Alabama. Are you kidding me? 17-3 against USF? And they they look like teetotal shit. I had more business in there blocking for that quarterback than those three 350-pound linemen. I don't know what the fuck is going on in Tuscaloosa right now, but Saban better clean it up because he's got a game and a date with Ole Miss this week, and it's going to be a bloodbath if that same football team shows up. I don't think they will. I think Saban gets it fixed. But I got to be honest with you guys, as much of an Alabama fan as I am, 15 seasons, I can tell you all about their running backs, their defenses, their players, the coaches, the plays Saban made or called that that turned games, including a fake punt against uh, um, Clemson in the national title game. At the end of the day, that won't that fucking Alabama team Saturday. And I don't know where they've been, but that's not going to work for me. It ain't going to work for anybody else. And now Alabama joins all of the rest of the SEC teams, with the exception of Georgia, in the middle of the road with no real identity, and we don't know who we have yet. Yeah, we'll go ahead and dive into that one before we get on the agenda here. But, I mean, the first thing off the top is, who the hell told the University of Alabama that they need to schedule a road game at South Florida? That is just ridiculous. I don't claim to be an SEC fan. I think I've gone on record saying I'm an Auburn fan. And if Auburn can be the only SEC team to win for the week, that's what I'm going for. But Alabama is too much of a program to schedule a road game at South Florida. What is the benefit of that? I see none. Do they need the money? Are you kidding me? This is the University of Alabama. I, I just don't get it. I mean, there, there's some criticism right off the bat. That's just incredibly stupid. Is that a, I don't think Saban does that. I know he's got some, some say in it, but who at the University of Alabama decided that was a good idea? It's not. It, and it really blew up in their face. You know, obviously they, um, they tried a little thing with the quarterbacks. Uh, neither guy stepped up. They're going back to the other guy. Uh, they're going to have to change their offense to fit who they have. And they haven't had to do that before. They've always found that guy, but this time they're not. And their offensive line, to me, I watched half the game, I would say. Their offensive line didn't seem like they were pushing anybody around all that much. I mean, 355 weight at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, their defense played great. I mean, their defense is good, but. Um, this is a pattern I see in the SEC a lot. Um, now, Auburn, now Alabama's a little higher than the other teams that I see this with. But um, good defense, I'll say that. But, boy, finding the offense is going to be a struggle. Now, here's the thing. It was good defense against USF. USF brought a blitz package that, that Alabama's big three, 
355 pound lineman in the middle couldn't couldn't stop. And by the way, y'all, Terry got me all fired up before we started, so I apologize for all of my favorite use of the word "not fire truck." But you can blame Terry for that; it's always his fault. Anyway, the problem with the problem with Alabama, as I see it from this week, number one, they're they're going to have to go back to the number one quarterback and. And I hate the fact that number four had such a problem when he was sitting there calling the offense for Texas, but you ran into a very good Texas team. Then you decide we're going to have a live scrimmage, but we're going to do it during a live game. UCF, USF is somebody that we can go ahead and put these two quarterbacks in against, and we'll just see what happens. You won 17-3. to three. Are you kidding me? I understand the weather was an issue, and I get that, but this is the worst performance of any Alabama team that I have ever seen under the Nick Saban era. This is a man where three losses is a losing season at Tuscaloosa. That's what he has built there. The, the 2010 season, they lost three games, and everybody thought the sky was falling. What happened after that? Oh, they went back-to-back the next two years, won the national title. So I'm not saying Alabama's dynasty's done, the legacy's done, whatever, but that team can't beat LSU. In my opinion, that team doesn't beat Ole Miss. If that's the Alabama that we see this coming Saturday, Lane Kiffin and company are going to pick them apart because there's not going to be any answer on the offensive side of the ball for Alabama. So they better get it together. And to your point, Terry, USF was a trap game because they're just like, oh, it's USF. We ain't worried about them. They're not anybody that matters, blah, blah, blah. You beat USF by two touchdowns. I think you were favored by 30. I mean, that's absolutely Ridiculous. It's not Alabama football. Get it together. Please, for the sake of any anything else, all of us that love to watch football and want to see every team bring it against Alabama. Yeah, and it seems like this year Saban's acting a little different. Maybe he realizes some problems and he's just not throwing them out there, but he doesn't seem as aggressive with the my team needs to get better as he normally is. Of course, he's going to keep a lot of it, you know, close to home there and not really throw it all out there. He'll get pretty upset if the if the guy's asking the wrong questions at the press conference like he always does. But um, he's been pretty open about this. He talked about they've had four touchdowns nullified because of penalties. They have made a lot of penalties this year and last year. And you think about discipline when you think Alabama. And that has not been the case over the last couple of years. And if they don't fix that, that's going to get in their way. I mean, they had, what, a kickoff return for a touchdown called back? Now, of course, you know, there was a hold, and that hold may have sprung them for the kickoff return for a touchdown. But um, that kind of thing, there's the athletes there. There's just not the discipline that you want to see. And, um, you know, I think they put Milrow back in and they're going to have to change this offense up to fit what he can do because he's made some mistakes and that's why he lost his starting job. But he's the best they have and they're going to have to figure out how to get the best out of him. He's head and shoulders the best they have. And the other thing that people can't overlook, and I'm sorry, God, we have to talk about James L. Karai and his football team here tonight, but Texas brought a game plan that derailed Alabama. Alabama is a freight train. They get that rush rolling. They just run and run. They're going to play tough defense. They're not going to make mistakes on special teams. 
That's why this is so out of character watching the 17-3 game against USF this past weekend. This is not the Alabama that I've watched and enjoyed for the last 15 years. To your point, they're having an identity crisis at quarterback, but he is headed shoulders above the other two. I mean, it's not even close. So if that means you have to have a couple design plans, designed runs, whatever it is, you need to get with your coordinators. Your other thing that you mentioned is a Saban principle, and it's discipline, playing clean football. You know, this is a man who chewed his entire team out for jumping off sides when they won the national title against LSU. But LSU crossed the 50. I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. But he's that guy that's known for those types of things where he, where he will just – he continues to coach whatever, whatever. I saw one the other day where he was up 63-17, and they had to call timeout with 10 seconds left because they had 12 men on the field. And he lost his ever-loving mind rather than, you know, just, get, hey, guy, whatever. He did the Nick Saban thing. He's not been Nick Saban yet this year, I don't think. Not like the one we're accustomed to seeing, um, very fiery, confrontational, but always talking about building better teams. Even his national championship teams, he always was critical of. Always. Didn't matter which ones it was. Of the seven, including the LSU team, you can pick them. It doesn't matter. But, um, yeah, Alabama, you know, and this is, to all of our listeners, this isn't me and Terry doing a 180 on Alabama. I still think Alabama is an excellent football team. I still think you got the greatest head coach of college football history, prowl of the sidelines, and for as long as he wants, that's who he's going to be. But this is not the Alabama team we have known to expect coming into week, what is this, four now. So, I mean, they they got to get it together because I promise you, Lane Kiffin is hungry for a win against Saban. Stark got his. Jimbo's got his. Kirby's got his. Lane Kiffin has not beat Nick Saban. He came close to Tennessee a couple times, but has not beaten Nick Saban. And so uh, he needed Mount Cody to block that last field goal in uh, Knoxville the one year. But uh, at the end of the day, Lane Kiffin will have a game plan. And Alabama better be ready to buckle it up because Ole Miss is known for that high-flying offense. But they've got a very strong defensive front, and they will give Milrow problems if he's not prepared. Yeah, and you said the word enjoy. That's the difference between them. I've had a lot of respect for him. I have not. <laughs> yeah. Put it I'm in an there, Terry. If I haven't mentioned it a hundred times yet, I'm an Auburn graduate. And, you know, Saban, I got out of school before Saban showed up. I was there during the seven-year Iron Bowl streak. Mostly Tommy Tuberville. I guess it was all Tommy Tuberville, honestly. And then Saban's first year was the seventh year in a row that Auburn won the Iron Bowl. But ever since that next year, he has just rolled. Now, there's a lot of respect for it, and I'm real careful to criticize because I know I've seen them have bad games, getting beat by Utah, getting smacked around by Clemson, and they always bounce back. Now, at some point, they're not going to. At some point, he will retire. He's not going to live to be 250 years old. It's going to happen. Um, but I'm not one to predict the timing of that, and I don't necessarily think that he doesn't have a few more punches left. Um, but he does have issues with with quarterback specifically and with discipline. And the discipline thing to me, 
I think he's got the athletes. I think the discipline really is the one that bites him a lot. I think he's got smart enough guys that can figure out how to use the talent he has. But if they're going to negate big plays for stupidity and lack of discipline, it doesn't matter who you are. That's going to bite you in the butt. Yep, absolutely. So, um, before I get into They're not in the top ten. Hold on. (laughs) As promised. They're not in the top ten. Because Terry's getting ready to do a segue. He's got his notes out there, ladies and gentlemen. I, as you all might imagine, the way I prepare for this show is I no longer drink energy drinks because Terry thought we were a little wound up for the first and second episodes. So I quit energy drinks altogether. And once again, we're going to get hashtag blame Terry rolling. But uh, the real the real deal is, this is how I prepare for these. I go ahead and send him a bunch of text messages that have nothing to do with football after I've watched football all weekend long. And Terry's telling me about he's getting PowerPoints out, he's getting his notes ready, he's, he's already blown through two ballpoint pens because he's old school. He's going to get the three-inch binder from Staples tomorrow to put all his notes together. And I'm just like, hey, Terry, hit record and let's go. And he said, I don't do that. I'm, I'm always prepared. I'm prepared, Terry. I said, well, let's have live this shit and find out what happens. It'll be fun. Anyway, this is my transition to the top ten. Alabama's not in it. Spoiler alert, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, and by the way, the real top ten, you know, the one they think matters, the AP poll, uh, Alabama's streak of number being in the top ten has ended, and Miami will retain the longest streak ever of appearing in a top ten AP poll. Terry, the top ten, please. See, I was segue into something else. Before we get what? into the top ten. I thought we were doing the top ten. <laughs> what are you doing? See, you make so many assumptions. Thank you for the segue, but I was going to help So I will get to the top ten in a minute. You just hold your horses. We got three hours, right? We're, I'm not in a big Damn it, Terry. So I want to explain something. So to kind of expand on what you're saying there, my nerdiness, my preparation. So I have changed my streaming service for this because um, – <laughs> I've also bought a new TV stand. So I'm going to have multiple TVs in my living room so I can get, get all the games at the same time. But I realized that I, I was doing Sling TV, and this is not a shot at you in case, you know, one of the 25 people that listen to us let them know. Something. We don't want to get sued. But um, th- there are certain channels, including ESPN, you cannot have multiple streams. You can't even pay more to get multiple streams of Sling And I told them, you know, they gave us the text box, and I filled that up. I said, I love you guys, everything about you guys. But if I can't watch two, if I can't watch ESPN and ESPN2 at the same time, it's a no-go for me. So I've changed to Hulu again. I've bounced around for years between streaming services. That's where I'm going. I got a new TV stand. I'm going to have two TVs, top and bottom, in the living room. I'm going to have my iPad. I'm going to be doing this all Saturday, but also, and I will explain this. Um, there is, this is what most Saturdays look like for me. There's an 11 o'clock. I'm in the central time zone. I'm in near Huntsville, Alabama. For those that don't know that, um, there's an 11 o'clock wave of games, but my 10 year old son plays soccer and just about every week he plays at 1230. And if you'll be there at 12, 
So I basically see the first half of the first set of games, and then I've got to catch up on on like GameCast or something. But I'm I'm that dad that takes a thousand pictures of his son playing soccer because I think he's going to be a superstar, and he is. He's dominating out there. I will say that. Not bra- not over bragging, but he does. He does dominate out there. Um, I will say that Santa did buy him footballs and tees for Christmas. Just throwing that out there. Those soccer players tend to get some scholarships that way. So, um, you know, throwing that out there, that's what I do for the second half of the first wave of games. But then I'm back by the 2.30 wave, and we're good to go. But I need multiple TVs. I might figure out a way to get a third TV. I'm really going to hit it hard. I'm going to have football all over the place, and I've got my five pages of notes here. I'm ready to go. So that's how I prepare. So that's a little bit of explanation. But with that, I will go back to your segue, and let's talk about the top ten. You know, we put the top ten out earlier this week. We felt like we didn't want to wait until the podcast. Uh, we didn't want it to be a big reveal on the podcast this time. We'll, we'll just put it out there. We can talk about it. But I will run it down from 10 to 1. Number 10, we've got Oregon. Got a big game against Colorado. Are they going to shut Dion up this week? I don't know. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Nine, Notre Dame. I know that Andrew uh-huh. doesn't love having Notre Dame in the picture here, but but they are. Can't deny him. Can't deny him. I, I mean right. – Look, I've told people on this show, I hate Ohio State. Everybody knows the rule. Fuck Ohio State. Today, tomorrow, forever. Notre Dame is right behind Ohio State in that category and just above Bret Hart. But this is what I'll say um, about about the Notre Dame. You can't keep them out. They're playing excellent defense. The game plan's working. Their offense is, is firing right now. I think they've got the right coach, and they really – really look like an impressive team. Do I think they're national championship caliber? Not yet, but they got nine games to show everybody else they are. So uh, Notre Dame, kudos, they deserve top 10. Not going to, not going to argue that point. All right. I agree with that. Yeah, definitely. uh, They're at number nine. We're not talking playoffs, but number nine, we can see if anybody falls ahead of them. Tied for seven. We got two Pac-12 teams, USC and Washington. You and I flip-flop these. I put USC one spot above Washington. You put Washington one spot above USC. So they end up tied for seven. I'm not bought in on USC yet. Washington, and we may talk about it, destroyed Michigan State. That wasn't even 700-plus yards of offense, 41 points. It wasn't even close. And Michigan State plays defense. This is a team that under D'Antonio before before, – Mel Tucker, this is what they were known for. And by the way, the devil himself, Nick Saban, was the head coach at Michigan State at one point. So I don't know what in the world has happened to Michigan State other than other than Tucker's getting fired and he's losing seventy million dollars or whatever, eighty million dollars, whatever it is. And if he's if he committed what they said he did, whatever. But USC hasn't had a fight yet. And so or hasn't even had a real opponent, as you like to say, someone with a pulse. So for me, I had to put Washington above them because that domination of Michigan State, the only word I could come up with, Terry, is it was impressive. I mean, it was absolutely impressive what Washington and and, uh, the offense, the defense, everybody did 
to Michigan State. And I don't know if you can blame the Tucker deal that they're just rocking from that still, but uh, Washington Washington came to play, and that's exactly what they did Saturday. Yeah, and I've been reluctant to put Washington too high, but they really showed up. And I think, I mean, I've got plenty to say about the offenses in the Pac-12, and they've got some really good quarterbacks out there. And uh, It showed in that game. Um, number six, this is the other team you hate. Um, the good news is that they play each other this weekend, so somebody's got to lose, but number six is Ohio State. Yes. Ohio State finally showed up, 62 points. Uh, I sent you that little uh, statistic or whatever. They scored 42 on nine plays. It was absolutely ridiculous. But Ohio State finally did what they do. They got the momentum. Ryan Day got his offense firing. They avalanched the uh, – or whoever that team was. I don't even know who it was. I don't even remember, honestly, because it doesn't matter. It's it's like you said. This is their first big test coming up against Notre Dame. Uh, but now maybe we'll see what Ohio State can do. That's what I'm looking forward to. And they're not going to bully Notre Dame, I don't think, the way they might have in the past. I think Notre Dame – is going to be ready to play this weekend. Yeah, I think Notre Dame's disciplined, consistent, and they have a smart quarterback, and that combination goes a long way. It'll be good to see. You know, Ohio State may have more firepower, but we're going to see what wins out. But right above Ohio State, really? gonna, this is going to burn up some Ohio State fans if Penn State sitting five. And I think they're the – I think – Honestly, they're the number two or three team in the country based on what they did to Illinois. I said it last week. I don't know that Penn State has the playmaker to be the team that plays in the playoffs. Maybe it's their defense. They forced five turnovers against a Brett Belima coached football team that's going to run the ball, that's going to play good defense, that's going to come at you. Yes, it was my upset of the week, and it wasn't even close. Penn State neutralized all of Illinois' offensive firepower. They didn't have a. They didn't have any ability whatsoever to even keep up with the with the Nittany Lions. And as they gain that momentum, that strength, that confidence, it's going to get them ready. And they got a big one this weekend, even though I think Iowa's going to get outclassed. Iowa will come to play. Yeah. And that game, like I said, I, I just watched the first half of that because I had to go watch. Um, oh, did I not miss? See, I didn't look at my notes close enough. I didn't give some of the detail that I was supposed to. So when I went this weekend, when I went to watch my son play soccer, I saw his team, the Toxic Pegasi. Yeah, you heard that right. The Toxic Pegasi win to go to 4-0 and on the season, and they beat the Tacos. You got to love these names. I want to go make some logos for these soccer teams, you know, like <laughs> make some shirts and stuff and sit on the sidelines. Toxic Pegasi. I don't know what kid is coming up with that crap. Might be my kid. I don't know, but it's it's awesome. I'd rather have that. It's his kid. There's there's I'm no here wearing a trash panda kid. shirt, you know. So so I love the stupid names. Terry, for uh, all of our people not in the South, tell them what a trash panda is. It is a raccoon, and I listened to the guy that owns the trash pandas on the radio one day because you know there's a little bit of some um, Disney connection there, but they're real careful. Because they don't use like the name, the name of the mascot is Sprocket, not Rocket, Sprocket. So um, 
his response to why it wasn't rocket trash panda or raccoon is Mickey likes to sue. So we're not going to go down yeah. that path. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's a little, a little hint at that, but, um, yeah, we love our trash pandas. And the season just ended. Um, I, honestly, I don't know how well they did. I went to one game and they got beat 29 to three. So, you know, it is what it is. So we move along to a three-way tie for second place between Florida State, Michigan, and Texas. And I will go ahead and throw it out there. I got Michigan at number two. That's the only reason they're in this three-way tie. Andrew's trying to push them down. You know, at this part of the season, it's one of those, some teams have played three nobodies and have been consistently dominant in those three nobody games. Michigan is one of those teams. Other teams have played somebody with a pulse. Penn State played Illinois. Illinois is a much better football team than anybody Michigan's played. But there's going to be plenty of opportunity in the next two or three weeks to move those guys around, to show where we're wrong, to show where we're right. And we'll shake this up. Any thoughts on the three-way tie there? Uh, you said it was Michigan, Florida State, and – Texas. Texas. Okay, so Texas had a terrible start to their, their game against Wyoming, but came in the second half, shut it down. Uh, Michigan, like you said, very consistent. They're scoring 30 points right now. They're not rubbing, running it up. Harbaugh is suspended. I think he's coming back. Is that right this week? He should be back? I think so. Yes. It it was, this week three, games, three games, not four, right? Yeah, I think have NCAA said four. Then they waived it. Then Michigan said, nah, Harbaugh, we're still going to hit you with the suspension. We're going to get you three, whatever. It doesn't matter. Michigan's a very well-disciplined, very well-coached, good football team, a lot of history there. Uh, Florida State, this is what I'll say about Florida State. This is a game I watched almost in its entirety. Um, quarterback Travis, he's a gamer. He's a baller. But he has to. things have to be going well for him. He seems to be one that gets a little bit frustrated. BC had him frustrated. Boston College has done this sort of thing before. There's always a team in the ACC that frustrates the front runner. Pitt, Pitt has beat Clemson before. Uh, you know, during those runs when Clemson was really, really at the top of college football. Um, that's setting up the showdown for Clemson and, and Florida State this weekend. Uh, it is not a 12 o'clock game. I don't know why it's in that time slot, but somebody needs to get fired. And Terry, you're the nerd on this show. You need to figure out why it's at 12 o'clock. But Florida State had to come back. They had to seal the game off. They had to play defense to do it. And that'll be their hiccup game, I think, against Boston College. Um, we're not there yet, but I'm picking Florida State over Clemson, and I'm picking them big. I'm talking probably three scores over Clemson. And I picked Clemson to win the ACC. And I know that because I totally blanked on Florida State when we were doing our picks. And it's okay. I will still say that I picked Clemson to win the ACC. But the way Florida State's playing right now, it's uh, hard. Now, Clemson wiped the floor with FAU or whatever it was. It wasn't even close. Yeah. The Owls... They, they were pissed off. Screwed. They wanted to prove a point. I mean, I, I think they rightly so have been criticized. And has Dabo lost it? And is it a lot of that because of his dislike of the transfer portal and that kind of thing? 
has the game passed him by. I think they wanted to go prove a point, and they and they did. Now they played nobody, but they proved their point. Now I will go ahead and say this to wrap up the top ten, and then I want to dive into Florida State, Boston College a little bit. Georgia remains at the top of our top ten with both our first place votes. They started a little slow against South Carolina, but they dominated the second half. Honestly, in my head, I started thinking, did anybody else play well enough for me to consider them taking that spot? And I don't think anybody did. If, if there had been yeah. a number two team, if Michigan had come out and played somebody and really destroyed them, I probably would have given it to them. But they played nobody. So um, Georgia still got that until somebody shows that they want to be the number one team. So Georgia will have their games coming up. We'll see what they are. But like I said, before we get into too much Georgia, that game will come up. Let's dive into Florida State. I've got two points I want to make on uniforms of all things. The first one is I flipped over to this game, and I could have swore it was a Florida State spring game. I mean, Boston College College looks at Florida State's uniforms and says, hey, we like those uniforms. Let's go with that. And then Florida State decides they're going to have white helmets. So – Boston College looks more like Florida State than Florida State does. So that was the first thing that caught my eye. And then Boston College played like they were Florida State. They, I mean, they punched Florida State in the mouth, and then Florida State started coming back. And then Boston College said, we're not just going away. And they hung in there till the end, um, tried to storm back, and then penalties got in the way. Um but the second point about uniforms, and this is a pretty important thing, um, I noticed, and I had to Google this, on the back of the Florida of the Boston College uniforms, um, they had the words instead of their names, they had the words Four Wells, F O R, and then the name W E L L E S. And I didn't know what that was. I didn't know if somebody had passed away. I didn't know if it was teammate and I just didn't know about it. So I looked this up. Well, Wells Crowther, I guess it's pronounced C-R-O-W-T-H-E-R. He's a former Boston College lacrosse player who um, on 9-11, he gave his life in rescue efforts from the attack on the World Trade Center. He used a red bandana to to alert people that, that were um, in the tower so that they could see him better. And then he made three trips and saved people. And on the third trip in there, he was in there when the tower fell. So they call this uh, Red Bandana Day, I believe, and they do it annually. And they put four wells on the back of their jerseys instead of their names. So I thought that was worth mentioning. We enjoy things like that. I got this information from Athlon Sports. Um, so I thought I would mention that. But that's a pretty cool thing. Um, you know, when I see something like that, I want to dig into it. So kudos to Boston College for for bringing that up um, to our attention on an annual basis. Very good. Very, very, very well done. But when we get to the game, that was a heck of a game. I mean, Florida State's good. We know that. They um, ran away from LSU a little bit. little trouble with Boston College. You know, nobody's going to be perfect. Um, I think they stay up there um, unless somebody else starts saying we're the team. Um, 
you know, I think there's three or four, maybe five teams that are really up there, just kind of mixed up. And Florida State's definitely one of them. Yeah, Florida State. Florida State had a bad day, is what I would say. And and Travis got rattled a little bit. He needed to be rattled a little bit though, because he's going up against Clemson this week. And you know, the more games you win, and you know this, Terry, being an Auburn fan, because you guys have had really good seasons. Um, we have teams, they, not a program, like I told you before. <laughs> they take the, but those seasons took on their own life. Cam Newton's Cam Newton season, the first three or four games were one one score wins. They were close. They were down to the wire, the field goal, whatever it was. And then as the season progressed, and you guys finally started gelling, and Cam Cam gets control of the offense, and uh, you know the defense starts to show up, and all of those other things. Then it's very difficult to beat. beat uh, I almost say Clemson. I'm sorry. Beat Auburn at eight and zero, nine and zero, ten and zero, eleven. And that's because you believed. You believed you were the best team in football, and you had this big six foot whatever three four quarterback running back six, hybrid. Six six, 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 six. Yeah. Who could who couldn't be stopped? I mean, his nickname was Superman for, and that for for a really good reason. All these defenses in the SEC couldn't stop it. My point is, the more comfortable they get, the more they gel, all of those things, they're going to get better. Teams get better as the season goes on. No one starts as good as they're going to get. Even the worst teams don't start as good as they'll be by the end of it all. So Florida State needed this. They really needed this test. And and good old Boston College, they were gamers this weekend. They just they couldn't close it down. They just... The scoop and score was awesome. Great for Boston College. You know, they forced the turnover, scoop, score, no chance for Florida State's defense to stop their offense. They just took it on their own. And uh, I was really, really impressed with the effort of Boston College. Um, And I was very impressed that Florida State did not panic. They stayed the course. Uh, Norvell had had them calm down. And 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 Travis played, you know, because he got dinged up, but he played, he played, and he made the plays he needed to make for his team to win the ball game. Yeah, I think Boston College had a lot of, even playing that well, had a lot of penalties themselves, and, and that's what ended up doing them in at the end too. So, another one of those things you can play hard. You got to be able to play hard and stay consistent, and, and don't make those mistakes. And that's a hard trio of things to do. Yeah, and and when and you know, none of us ever thought Boston College was going to give Florida State a, a game. You know, not the Florida State team we saw take LSU to the woodshed. So you know that's that's neither here nor there at this point. But uh, I think Florida State bounces back. I think you see a much better performance Saturday in in Death Valley. That's true. I think so. Oh. It's going to be a good game. We're going to talk about Georgia, right? We'll get there. I got my big list here. Okay, because I have a correction to make when we get there. Don't let me forget. It's toward the end. You know, we've got one game that may have happened a little farther west that we're probably going to talk about for an hour. I've got so many notes on this double overtime game. that It'll be before oh, yeah. that. How about that? So it's it's later on no. my list. Roll on, Terry. What's going on my list is Penn State, Illinois, but I don't know. I think we pretty much said everything we wanted to there. I mean, that first quarter, and there, there are several games that have been patterned this way. 
you've got a team that has lesser talent, but they come out and they smack somebody in the mouth. That first quarter was a very defensive game. Both teams were playing good defense, not making mistakes. But then Penn State just has more talent and depth, and they ran yeah. away with it. Yeah, and that's where I was saying, you know, and I joke about it, do they have a superstar? Do they have that Marvin Harrison Jr. on their on their team? Absolutely not. But is it their defense? Is this the year Penn State's got the defense that stops the Ohio State and the Michigan teams? I don't know, but we're going to find out, and it's going to be a fun ride doing it. All right, well, the next one I got listed here I want to talk about is LSU and Mississippi State. This gets us into a little bit of SEC play, and, boy, Mississippi State just decided they did not want to play any football this weekend. Their defense played a little bit, but they got no offense going at all against LSU, and it was just ugly. It makes me think, honestly, 15 years ago, Auburn and Mississippi State played to a 3-2 Auburn victory. And it makes me wonder with, you know, are we going to see something like that again? It It could be fun. It could be fun. But I told you, Terry, and I'm going to brag about it because you did in the opening of the show, act like I didn't hear you talking about that call you made about Missouri. Listen, yeah, the Wildcats lost. They shouldn't have. But, Terry, what propelled North Carolina over Minnesota? That's right, their offense. And what happened to LSU over Mississippi State? That's right, they got overwhelmed. You're welcome. I don't spend 27 hours, ladies and gentlemen, preparing for this show. But I did tell Terry that North Carolina's offense was too much for Minnesota and that LSU was winning by at least three touchdowns. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah, and that's true. So so LSU ran away with that one. And I don't have many notes on the North Carolina game other than North Carolina controlled it. And the fact that North Carolina is inconsistent so far, are they going to take that one really bad game and just put it behind them and find some consistency and be the team we thought they might be? Because I really thought Minnesota was going to put a little more on them. Cause, um, but that was impressive. They showed up and they just, yeah, it was- they just didn't let it happen. No, it was very impressive. Um, I didn't mean to interrupt your order, but yeah, Mac Brown, after that App State, you know, close call, he had him ready to play against Minnesota, and they and they went on the road. That was a road game. That wasn't at that wasn't here in uh, you know, uh, uh Char or not Charlotte, God Andrew, uh, Chapel Hill. That was uh, that was in Minnesota. You know, that was a way game, and Minnesota has a very tough defense. And North Carolina was able to pick them apart. They were able to uh, – and they were able, like you said, they controlled the clock, controlled the ball, didn't make a lot of mistakes, not like they did against App State. And so, you know, which Carolina team are we going to see? Hopefully one with some consistency because I'd like to see Florida State be tested by Carolina. I'd like to see Clemson test Carolina. And then, hell, why not watch Carolina and Duke slug it out too? I mean, you know, because Duke won again. Now, they didn't really play any, but they won. You know, they won again. So that wasn't a fluke beating Clemson. It wasn't a fluke. But anyway, go ahead, Terry. What's up next? You're the planner. Well, you mentioned the Missouri game. I don't have a whole lot there. One thing is they started talking about Como, and I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. And I don't know if it's a new thing 
or if they've been saying this for years, but I scratched my head a little bit. What the hell is Como? They're talking about Columbia, Missouri, and they're calling yeah. I've never heard that in my life. Maybe it's a Terry thing. I don't know. I'm from the Midwest and haven't ever heard that bullshit. But this is what I will say. Your man, to win the game, kicked a 61-yard field goal. <laughs> well, one thing Outside. I'll say, and this is kind of an SEC thing. I think um, when I look over the 14 teams in the SEC, I think there are very few teams that are better than they were last year. Missouri may be one. I think they're a decent team. They're not near the top of the league. But um, going into Missouri, looked like a trap game for Kansas State. I'm glad they kicked the 61-yard field goal to prove me right, like I said. But that was a very good game all the way through. Uh, these are two pretty decent teams. Um, you know, they're not – they don't get all the, the glory that the other teams get that are in the top ten. But um, this was a pretty darn good football game. And it was good to see because we hadn't had a lot of those so far. This week really kicked that up a notch and to end it with a 61-yard field goal as the time expires was amazing. Yep. And he nailed it. Good for him. I mean, really. Good for him. 60 – I mean, that's a hell of a feat. You don't have professionals that hit 61 yards. And it was outside, not in the dome. None of that nonsense. So, good for him. Old Big 12 rivals, Terry. <laughs> So now, now we can talk. Join, them. Join the flight plan. So now we can talk about Georgia a little bit. So ah. South Carolina, Georgia, South Carolina got. You know, it was funny to me. South Carolina was up what fourteen three at halftime, and um, Beamer says we're kicking their butts at halftime <laughs> to the reporters, and. Um, they didn't do a whole lot after that point because Georgia decided they were going to be Georgia and show up and dominate the second half. Now, I made the point to you, we have this little text group or whatever, and I made the point to you that there's two halves and Georgia better not be playing those games against some better teams. But it worked out for them this week. And, you know, I haven't seen a team that's been 60 minutes every week that's been perfect. Um, even Georgia. Georgia, I don't – I mean, when I said that about the SEC, Georgia's got a new quarterback. I don't see them as as good as they've been the last two years. Um, does that mean they're not good enough to win the national championship? No. We've seen Alabama reload with a new quarterback and do that. Doesn't look like they're doing it this year. Um, maybe Georgia can't. Uh, right now, I think Georgia still – a step or two above everybody in the league, and they just had to lean on them a little harder in the second half and show who they were. Yeah, so the mistake was, because my friend told me he was going to see the game, they always go to the Columbia game. I assume this was in Columbia. This was actually in Athens. This was between the hedges. This was not in Columbia. Um, 14 to 3 and a half, Georgia comes out. And they do what they do. They lock down the defense. They go ahead and they start playing a tighter man coverage, always in the receiver's pocket. They get the pressures. You probably saw it, Terry. Rattler was being chased in that second half. Kirby dialed it up with the six-man front along with Will Muschamp and the other co-coordinator. Um, 
but you know that was one of those adjustments they made. Championship teams make adjustments at halftime, and they got the pass rush in that second half. Rattler never looked comfortable like he did in that first half, in the second half. They got him off his spot, and when those six rushers start coming and you start using pro-style blitz packages where multiple times you see that double A-gap blitz, that center has no idea which way to go left or right. And the next thing you know, Rattler's on his ass. And so then Georgia did what I said they would do when we talked about it, and you you agreed. They have four running backs that can start anywhere in the country, and they used all four running backs, and they ran the ball. And like I said, they just did what Georgia did. Quarterback managed the game, didn't make a lot of mistakes in that second half, didn't miss a lot of throws in that second half, and Georgia just turned it up. But to your point, you run into an old Miss, you run into a gamey Arkansas like we saw this past weekend, you run into Alabama, you run into Tennessee, and we may get to Tennessee in the slow start they had, you can't play one half against a good SEC team or you're going to lose. Tennessee spotted Florida 24 points and paid for it, or 26 points, and paid for it because they could never catch up. Never were able to catch up in that second half. And Georgia just just didn't play a good enough team that made them pay for it. Well, reality is this week Georgia hosts UAB. So it ain't going to be this (laughs) And then next week Auburn and Georgia play. And that's a rivalry game, but I can tell you Auburn is not ready for Georgia at this point. So I don't expect a big close game. Who knows? You know, stranger things have happened, but um, I – I'm real careful. We'll see what Auburn does at Texas A&M this week and then then talk about it more, but um, we ain't ready for Georgia. Not quite yet. So it's going to be a couple of weeks before Georgia really starts hitting the tougher games. I'm not sure what week the Georgia-Tennessee game is, but obviously – Like week nine. Yeah, it's going to be pretty late in the season. Or Florida, and which Florida team shows up when they play Georgia. It's hard to tell. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't see much keeping them from from being 5-0 and and um, rolling into the rest of their season. So let's shift it up a little bit and talk a little Pac-12 before we get back to some SEC games. Washington, we talked about it a little bit, absolutely dominating Michigan State, and we won't dive into that too much because we've already talked about it. But when you look at the Pac-12 to me, USC looks pretty good. They haven't been tested. They've got a good quarterback, explosive offense. Oregon has put tons of points on the board. Washington looked great this weekend. Then we've got Colorado, UCLA, Utah, Oregon State, all pretty decent teams there. They've got eight teams in the top 25 of the AP poll. It looks like Pac-12 deciding they're not going to exist next year, so they're going to show out a little bit. And the offensive firepower on the West Coast is unbelievable this year. Yeah, it's absolutely absurd what they're doing. And and I make fun of it because they don't play defense. But over and again, what we're seeing is that they continue to raise the bar in the SEC or in the uh, Pac-12. Excuse me. For what the SEC was known for is the defensive, the defensive uh, conference for all these years, the Pac-12 has become that offensive 
conference. When you see that you've got Caleb Williams at the helm and the controls at USC, led by Lincoln Riley calling the offense, and he's the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman again. Um, and then you have all of these other players that you've mentioned, Terry. Uh, like I said, I like Utah to win it all still because they've got the best defense in the Pac-12. But they've got a big game this weekend coming up, and I forget which one it is. If it's uh, – is it UCLA? Is that Utah? Is it, yeah. Utah and UCLA, yes. So Chip Kelly's rapid offense is going to test Utah's defense, and we're going to see what happens. And, you know, like you said, USC's got to play, and they get Colorado next week, and Oregon's got Colorado this week. And so um, is Shadir Sanders the best quarterback in the in the Pac-12? Is Colorado's, Colorado's offense the best offense in the Pac-12? I don't know. Washington put 700 yards on Michigan State. USC beat Stanford in their last outing, 56-14. You know, I mean, they haven't – and USC hasn't been tested in that regard. They they have hung 50-plus on all three opponents. So you talk about a scoring offense and a scoring conference, you have it in the Pac-12. That's right. So let's shift a little bit back to the SEC. I may group these a little closer to conferences in the future, but – Ole Miss had, for a little while, a test from Georgia Tech, but they, they kind of ran away with it toward the end. Um, and it's a good tune-up for Alabama next week that promises, I think, to be a pretty darn good game. But um, the talent gap was just there. Georgia Tech just doesn't have the talent that Ole Miss has, and, and it showed mm-hmm. up in the second half. Yeah, and you could tell that, that Georgia Tech was getting tired having to deal with those bigger linemen. And then, of course, when – when Kiffin sees that your defense is a little bit gassed, you know what he does, Terry, because you saw him do it at Auburn, you saw him do it at Tennessee, you saw him do it at USC, he'll put the pedal to the floor. And so when he starts calling those up-tempo, high-octane offensive offensive sequences, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. If you're winded, you can't tackle somebody. And so that theory of running that two-minute offense – there is very few people that run an air raid offense better than Lane Kiffin. Steve Sarkeesian may be the only one in the NCAA right now because, unfortunately, Mike Leach is dead. So, you know, um, that air raid that they come with, that attack, I guess Lincoln Riley's up there too. Let me give the man his respect, even though I'm not sure USC is as good as everyone says. The whole point is, though, you've got these really good coordinators. You've got one that's your head coach. But he don't have the playmakers to to hang with those three elite offensive coordinators that I just mentioned. Um, But at the end of the day, he may in a couple years. you got to give Freeze his time because he will get them. But when you're talking about these head coaches that are calling plays and they're watching, you know, and Stark has such a a vision for seeing what's happening – he knows when to pick it up, slow it down, et cetera, et cetera. That's what makes him different because, like, you knew it when we watched Leach together. Mike Leach was high-octane, in-your-face all the time. There wasn't a question what was going to happen, whether it was when he was at Oklahoma or Washington State or Texas Tech or or uh, there at Mississippi State. His offense was coming in your face, and he's over there drawing plays and designing things and all the same stuff, same as Van Gundy does for Oklahoma State. So, um, or Gundy, not Van Gundy, does for, for Oklahoma State. So the point being, 
when you have that sort of feel and you've got the head coach so intimately involved in one side of the ball, uh, it makes all the difference in the world because Kiffin is, you know, the offensive mind that made Alabama work. He is the offensive mind that made USC work for, for those years under Carroll. And now, well, along with Stark, but now of course, he's the head coach at Ole Miss looking for that really big career-defining win. And it might be against his mentor this week. It might be. I think, I think he's got as good a chance as he ever has to yeah. beat Alabama. Right. And that whole thing about, you know, it took a long time for any of those assistants to beat him. And I guess Fisher was the first one to do that. But it's it's happened more than once now. And I think this is the prime time for that to happen, for um, for Kiffin to take advantage of where they are. And just like you said, if he sees a weakness, he, he steps on the throat. And this might be the mm-hmm. So I want to shift a little bit. These last two games, I saved them for last because these two are the ones that I felt were rivalry games that got heated, they got a little chippy, got some people pissed off, cheap shots and that kind of thing. So let's start with Tennessee, Florida. Tennessee fans have been yapping about being the team to win the East all offseason. Florida up to this point was seen as a real disappointment. And they went to the swamp. Florida showed them who the boss was. And it wasn't a good game for Tennessee at all, not through the whole thing. Florida from from the first snap just, just owned it. 29-16 victory. They never got it going. Tennessee never got it going. They never found the rhythm. Florida was able to, to slow Tennessee down because, like we just talked about, and I can't believe I left Heifel off the list, you have these offensive minds calling the plays at the head coach position. And Heifel was able last year to assemble a team that, you know, and he lost a lot. He lost a lot thanks to graduation in the NFL draft and everything else. But he was able to assemble a team that he had the quarterback, he had the receivers, and they made teams look silly. Florida come out with a defensive game plan for the first time, and I couldn't tell you how long. They executed said game plan. They got up far enough in the third or in the first half that even though they only scored three the entire second half, it didn't matter because their defense was playing well enough. Tennessee could not play catch up. And that's what we were talking about when we were talking about the Georgia-South Carolina game. You're not going to get away forever playing one half in the SEC. Right. You can't, you can't, you can't. Georgia got away with it with this, with South Carolina and proved in the second half they were a much better football team than South Carolina. But don't have that, don't have that start against Florida, obviously. Don't have that start against Tennessee. Otherwise, you're going to be a one loss Georgia fighting for your spot in the SEC championship. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the fact that it seems like across the board, there are so many new quarterbacks on teams that were near the top last year. Tennessee was very good last year, but now there's been this assumption that these big teams can just go grab the next quarterback. And with the transfer portal the way it is, with the balance that we're seeing across the nation, these teams don't have that next quarterback just sitting there waiting. It's not necessarily the case anymore. 
And I think well, Tennessee's fallen for that. Alabama's fallen for that. They never have. Alabama's always had another quarterback there. Um, but Tennessee's got the same thing going. And now they got, you know, I've heard talk that maybe in the locker room, they got part of the team wanting the backup quarterback already. And if you got the locker room starting to split, that's bad news. Yeah, I think uh, they got to get it together, you know. And and the one thing about the one thing about a team like Tennessee is they they'll come back, you know. I, you know, I'm very high on Tennessee. I got a lot of respect for Josh Heifel. I think he was a great player. He's an excellent coach. Um, he just he just did not execute the game plan this weekend. And one of the things they had several calls that did not go their way. Um, and I don't. I don't blame the referees. The referees aren't the ones playing the game. But the breaks in the game all seem to fall to Florida this past weekend. And maybe I'm just seeing it too much as a favoring Tennessee. I don't think so. Because, I mean, I've liked watching Florida play. When Tebow was there, it was hard not to like watching Florida play because they were just so talented, even as somebody who can be classified, especially now as an Alabama fan. But with Tennessee – they got out of sync. They got out of rhythm. They get something going, and the next thing you know, there was a penalty. There was this. There was that. I'm like, what are you? I mean, the worst time, you got the first down. Oh no, play doesn't count. You know, and you're like, what in the world just happened? Whether it be some pre-snap penalty, whether it be an offside, whether whatever it is, all of a sudden, um, whatever Tennessee Good had just done didn't matter. And uh, I think I think the breaks fell to Florida. But Florida jumped on Tennessee early and did just enough to win the game. So, uh, But you're right. It got chippy. It got ugly. They got mouthy with each other. You saw a lot of personal fouls out there. Um, you know, and the, and the only the only other game left we're going to talk about, it got even worse there. So yeah. <laughs> whatever your closing thoughts are on Georgia and Florida, and we'll move on to Coach Prime and the, and the crowd. So before that, I, I will say that, you know, I don't, I don't want to over-question, but if you're down by 13, seven seconds left, why are you talking about? I mean, unless you're telling your players don't do something stupid, but then they turned around and did something stupid. And Oh, fist fight. Yeah, ends in a fist fight. Yeah. So so I'm not sure what that was all about. I don't want to be too critical of Heifel on that, but to me it just doesn't make any sense. Just let that clock run out. Gather your things. Go back home and get ready for next week. Well, in these days, they got to be really careful about that sort of stuff because you remember, you know, 15 years ago, you know, uh, well, I guess it was, what, 2005 or six. It was the SEC title game. Georgia, Florida, it was the SEC title game. Ends in a fist fight, you know. They, they didn't suspend the team for games like they could now. Like now that would be, you know, all of those starters would have been benched. They wouldn't have been playing in the bowl games or whatever. But the Mark Rick Georgia and, of course, Urban Myers, Florida, ends that game ends in a fist fight or whatever. Um, this one the same way. But there could be repercussions, of course, as you know. I know um, NCAA doesn't take it so lightly anymore, um, even if you have these big rivalries and such. But uh, anyway, yeah, Florida – Florida, Florida did a good bounce back, especially since they've lost games they probably shouldn't have lost in the last couple seasons. And uh, they needed this win more than Tennessee did, I think. But uh, Tennessee's got a long way to go now if 
they're going to make the SEC title game in December. Yeah, and I think some of these things where you see teams bounce back like this, there's a lot of talent on the floor. And gathering uh -huh. that and letting them gel with the problem, they figured out a way to do that. I don't know, they got a little help from Tennessee. Now, Tennessee's got a similar problem, but these are still talented teams and smart coaches. You know, there's not any dumb coaches. They're all 133 teams or whatever. They didn't get to these coaching positions for being stupid. But um, so we think that you can put some of these teams aside like, oh, they proved they're no good. You know, they, they're going to practice this week and they're going to try to fix things. Sometimes they do. And, you know, the Swamp is not known for being an easy place to go win. And Tennessee has not won there in a long time. That didn't happen by accident. No. So that's a fact. Ten times. Right? Ten yeah. times? It yeah, is. Something it like was now going into it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, you know, there's something about that. So um, it was a good game. I love the rivalry. I love it being a little bit chippy as long as it doesn't get out of control. But since we are talking about out of control, let's move to Colorado. So this was a 43-35 victory for Dion and his Colorado Buffaloes team. And let me tell you, I need the Pac-12 to realize they are so far west and schedule their stupid games earlier in the day. I mean, double overtime on a game that started at 9.30 Central. I, um, I was toast the next day. I was useless. I couldn't do anything. I stayed up and watched every snap of this. And uh, paid the price the next day. But, um, you know, it, it started, I will say this. So the first quarter, even in, and before the game, there were things being said. There were people in, in faces. There were, obviously, there's a late hit that everybody's talking about. And Travis Hunter's going to miss three weeks now because of that. Now, there, some of that's being overreacted to a little bit. Late hits are part of football sometimes. He shouldn't have done it. He knew it was a late hit. He didn't go for the head. You know, I think there's a lot of opinions. People are saying he needs to be kicked off the team and lose his scholarship, and that's just stupid. It was a stupid thing for him to do. Yeah, if somebody says he should have been thrown out of the game, sure, maybe. Um, a penalty for sure. Um, let's not overreact. Uh, I don't think he was trying to bruise Travis Hunter's kidney. That's what ended up happening. So he's out for a while. Uh, huge loss for Colorado. But um, what it looked like to me was the first quarter, there was a lot of that. You know, we saw Shadur Sanders look like he tried to poke a guy's eye through his face mask at one point. So there was a lot of that kind of on both sides. Um probably started by people that are supposed to be adults, not being good examples leading into the game, not knowing their team's going to act like they act. You know, I don't want to go off on that too much, but um, reality is this was set up through the week by some things that some coaches did. And then their players just kind of followed their lead. But after the first quarter, they settled in. They kept the intensity, but they made it a football game. And that got much better. After we got past that first quarter, these teams started playing football. They were really making some big plays, and it was really exciting. And you were probably in bed, so you didn't see any of it. 
No, I actually did see most of it. Um, I was flipping back and forth. Yeah, because I'm on the Eastern Standard Time. That's real time here in this country. Also, put it in reverse, Terry. It's Coach Prime and his ugly-ass sunglasses and his silly hat that he doesn't take off at the dinner table, causing all these problems here. And probably wears that hat to church, too, if he goes. By the way, folks, Terry had to go to second service on Saturday because his ass was dead asleep. He couldn't even make it. Then he ate lunch. Then he ate a lunch that got so heavy he had to go to sleep again. But he blames it on the football game. But it was really Mexican food. Anyway, we're moving on. Bottom line is, Coach Prime's got him playing again. They, you know, Sanders knows what he's doing. He's getting the best out of his players. Colorado State did not lie down. They weren't anybody's whipping boy. They're not little brother. They came to play, and they look like a great team. And they may lose the next seven games or eight games. Who the hell knows? You know, I think. Unless he got fired, Jim McElwain, a former Saban assistant, still the head coach out there. Um, I didn't even pay attention to who the head coach was. But oh, this is what I did see. When Travis Hunter went out, the offense slowed down with Colorado. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so. Hunter's probably the best all-around player, including Shadir Sanders on the team. Uh, and on defense. Yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. All around, he's the best. Yeah. Because he plays cornerback. And he plays receiver. Two very high-level positions, especially when you're talking about who his head coach is. A man who played quarterback and receiver, you know, in the NFL. So the point I was getting at was there was a moment where there was a mistake. Sanders chews the player out and gives him a hug. That is coaching. That is, all the bullshit aside, the sunglasses, the hat, the goofy comments, the this is personal, the whatever you want to say, the eye poking and the and the unnecessary shot. I didn't, I thought it was more bang bang, obviously, than you did, Terry, on the penalty. But um, if he stepped out of bounds and then you hit him, he's out of bounds. It's a late hit. There's That's the rule and it's pretty obvious. But. I've said it two weeks in a row, and this is going to make three, and I'm going to sound like a dead, you know, a, a record, repeating record, whatever. I'm going to sound like I'm on repeat, and I am. He gets them to play for him. He has them believing in him. And now this week's message is easy, and you and I have talked about it already. Oregon's the big dog in the, in the Pac-12. They don't think we can beat them. They don't respect us. And somebody's going to say something, and all of a sudden it's going to be Dion coming out and saying, well, it was going to be a football game, but now it's personal. And well, all 120 of his players will buy into that, whether it's bullshit or not, and he'll get them to play for them against the Oregon Ducks. I don't think without Travis Hunter, they beat Oregon. Yeah, and that's going to be a problem. So, so first off, to correct – some thinking a little bit. When I was criticizing the adults, that included both head coaches. You know, Dion didn't come out swinging at the start of the week. That was um, that was criticism from the other side, from um, Jay Norvell, I think is his name, um, mm-hmm. making his comment about the glasses and stuff. So that's one thing. Um, honestly, when we heard that, we thought, well, they're going to roast them by 50. But I will say, maybe his team needed that. Um, so I think 
Um, honestly, obviously, there was a little bickering back and forth. Maybe both teams needed that. Dion, you know, he he feeds off of that, and his team feeds off of that so far. We haven't seen him really, you know, we haven't seen him play in Oregon yet, so we'll find out more. But um, that's where I said, you know, once they got to the second quarter, I didn't really see any of that the rest of the time. I just saw guys trying to play football, and it was very good. Um, the unfortunate part is, while it was still a little aggressive and chippy, Travis Hunter got injured, and he's going to be out. Now, that's part of football. Um, you know, the hit was what it was. I wasn't trying to be overly critical of the hit itself. There are some people that think, he ought to be behind bars right now. So people are saying all kinds of stuff online. I think that's pretty ridiculous. I think both teams were fired up. Both teams felt slighted, and they were going to um, fight back on that. But once it got to that second quarter, once they started playing the rest of the game and got into overtime, it was absolutely excellent to watch that football game. But to go back to the point of Travis Hunter being out, I think that's unfortunate because what we're going to see is if Colorado goes to Oregon and Oregon beats them by a couple of touchdowns, then the story is, but what if Travis Hunter would have been there? And you wish that they were at their best going over there because I'm not, you know, I'm probably a little biased toward Oregon. I picked them for the Pac-12. I still, you know, I'm still kind of a Bo Nix fan, even though he deserted my team, but, um, you know, I want to see Colorado at their best prove us wrong if they can, you know, because the, the spread on this game is 20 points. You know, Colorado, as big a story as it is, Oregon is still favored by 20. And that itself, if I'm Dion, I'm like, they are still picking us to lose by nearly three touchdowns. Well, and Dion, they got it a little bit in Waco when they played uh, when they played uh, Patterson's former team. Help me out, Sunny Dykes. TCU. Uh, TCU. Thank you. But Eugene, Oregon, is a completely different place to play football. Yeah. And. Quack, quack, motherfuckers, because they're going <laughs> to play. I mean, it's that's it. The Ducks don't know any other way. I mean, they've been good since before Chip Kelly, and they've been good ever since Chip Kelly. And they've had a few down seasons, but they've not really been that far down. You said it earlier in, when we were talking. That offense they bring, they just score and score and score and keep coming at you. And, and we all know what Shadir Sanders and company is capable of. Colorado's offense is very, very, very good. Is their defense up to stopping Oregon at least a couple times during that game? Because we know Oregon's defense can play just enough. They don't have to play a lot, but they can play enough. Can Colorado's defense show up like they did against Nebraska and slow Oregon down because Oregon's coming and Eugene is a hard place to to win. Look, I'm so glad Oregon state looks like they're going to have a good team this year because Bedlam is one of my favorite games, Oregon, yeah. Oregon state at the end of the year, because yeah. it doesn't matter if one of team is one in 11 or one in 10 and the others of 10 and one or whatever undefeated. 
it's zero zero and it's a slugfest all the way through. And that's what I love so much about college football. But we'll see. And uh, Coach Prime's going to really have that test in Oregon because Oregon's a good football team. They aren't overrated. They are a very good football team. And he's going into the hostile environment without his key playmaker. Other than his son, Travis Hunter's probably the most important person on the on the Colorado football team. And he doesn't have them. And he doesn't have them. So. Yeah, Shadur, I mean, he led a 98-yard drive to tie that game up and send it into overtime. And that was really unbelievable. I'm not sure why, if you're a Colorado State's coach and you get into overtime, why you're not going for two. Um, it's easy to second-guess that, but it just seemed like the right thing to do at that point. You have a chance with this play – to win the game, let's go ahead and give it a shot. But that's not the way it happened. They end up getting beat. It is what it is. They played a heck of a game. They should be proud of themselves. I mean, there was a receiver, I can't remember his name, on Colorado State that was playing awesome the whole game. And he was the go-to guy over and over again. And the quarterback was getting into him. It was um, – if they can play that way more games, they'll win some games. They don't have a win yet, I don't think, because they're not, you know, they are not to that level, but they played well above their heads this week, and they should be. Uh, Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So one thing that I thought was interesting, and I didn't understand it, and I've had to look it up, and it's hard to look it up, but the way the overtime went, and it was kind of confusing, so they did the coin toss. And normally what you see is the coach that wins the coin toss says, we'll go on defense. That ain't Dion's style. Dion said, I want to be on that side of the field. I don't think that the Colorado State player understood well because after Shadur, I think it was, with the captain, said, we want this side of the field. I think the Colorado State guy said, I want that side of the field, not expecting that he was getting to choose who got possession, you know. So um, so Colorado ended up getting the ball first because Colorado State chose defense. Well, the way overtime works normally is the first team picks defense. And then the second overtime, the other team picks defense. So you end up having the team that just had the ball get the ball again. Well, Colorado goes out there and gets the ball first again for the second overtime, and it was very confusing. But the reason for that was Colorado got the choice the first time, and they chose the side of the field instead of possession. And then when Colorado State got to choose, they chose defense. So it ended up being Colorado, Colorado State, Colorado, Colorado State. So that's the kind of research I do just because I could not freaking figure that out. And I thought others oh, might. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Because it didn't make it. any sense. I was like, I've never seen this happen this way. They changed the rules. But it's a good point because cause to your point, it's not the first choice is not usually which field do you want to defend. Right. It's, do you want to play offense or defense? It's not yeah. which side of the field. That's what they asked the person who lost the coin toss is, okay, you lost the toss, but which side, of, which field do you want to, you know, which end zone is yours? You know, that's right. what they get to ask them. 
So that's a very valid point because Dion comes in with a whole new line of thinking and says, no, no, it doesn't matter if we play offense or defense because we're going to get a shot. I want to defend that end zone, which is a very unique way of looking at it because no other coach in the country is going to look at it that way. Never have. Nobody's really ever done that. Yeah. No. So let me roll through. I think we've said what we want to say about that. We're, you know, that was a great game. We're excited about this week. We'll look forward to this week a little more in a minute. But I want to run through some scores. I looked at all of the scores from this week, this past week, um, and here's some that caught my eye. Ohio beats Iowa State ten to seven. Big upset there. Unexpected. Yeah, not good. Not good. Iowa State. Should be embarrassed. This is the Ohio Bobcats, for those of you playing along at home. This is not the Ohio State. Fuck them today, tomorrow, and forever, because that's church. A lot like brunch for the gays, as I've said before. But, uh, yeah, Bobcats getting a three-point win. Big deal for them. And my man Solich is retired, so it wasn't him. I don't even know who the who the coach of the Bobcats is these days, Terry. I don't know. I'll have to look that up. <laughs> I have to put that in the spreadsheet. That'll be a new column. Yeah, along with the PowerPoint presentation with 87 slides I get to review. So we hey. appreciate you, Terry. Continual improvement, sir. Continual improvement. So the next game that caught my eye, Rutgers beats Virginia Tech 35-16. That one does not look close. Ooh. I didn't watch any of it, but Virginia Tech is just not a good football team at all. No, and Shiano's Gian- there. You know, at Rutgers, there he was. But uh, if I remember right, Greg Chiana, defensive coordinator for Ohio State there for a while, head right. coach at Rutgers, second trip around. Um, I'm pretty sure that's still him. But you're right. Virginia Tech would never, ever even be threatened by Rutgers back in the day. And oh. now you're talking about losing by double digits. It's embarrassing. So the next embarrassing. Speaking of embarrassing, this is another SEC team that went on the road, but this one actually got beat. Vanderbilt, who is somewhat SEC in name only, because they're pretty much perennially, if I can get the word out, the worst team in the league. They go to UNLV and lose 40-37. to That is just... um, they're, they're there. They are in the league for, I guess, baseball and a little bit of basketball sometimes. But almost 90% of the reason they're in the league is there's some smart people that go to Vandy. <laughs> yeah, that's the only reason. They they boost the GPA of the overall SEC. Well, Florida's a pretty good school, no too. Florida. Florida's ranked pretty high. I've looked at this lately. I got a, I got a senior in high school right now. <laughs> they're all burning brain cells in the swamps looking at what crimes they're going to commit so they can end up as prison, as uh, life in prison like Aaron Hernandez. Listen, Florida's awful that way. But Vandy, they're all a bunch of eggheads. They ain't worried about no damn football, clearly, because they lost UNLV. When was the last time they beat anybody of any significance? Uh, Never. That's the answer, Terry. Never. So one thing this does bring to mind, though, and I I think I have a perfect way to describe what it's like to be an Auburn fan. And I told you this, <laughs> but 
of all the teams in the SEC, Auburn has the most wins against Alabama in history. And that sounds pretty good, right? But the downside of this is we have to pair that with this stat. Auburn also has the most losses of any SEC team to Vanderbilt. What a sad combination of things. We are inconsistent. I will say, though, most of these Vandy losses were like early 20th century before the SEC really <laughs> was a thing or whatever. But um, I like to say that to tell people that this is pretty much who we are. We're not sure that we're going to beat Vandy, but we'll beat Alabama once in a while. <laughs> it makes me laugh because it's absolutely so true of college football that there's always that team you're going to play with and there's always that one that you're going to just not have a good game against. It's always going to be the one that gives you the, the unnecessary difficulty when you should probably be able to beat them, you know? So, well, and then they don't even have their stadium ready for the season. I mean, their scoreboard is hanging from a crane at the Vanderbilt football stadium right now. Yeah, well, I saw that's that. That's an SEC that's school that does on? that. Can you believe that crap? That's still going on in week in week. I don't eight? know. Maybe by now, Auburn plays know. up there. Maybe by I don't know what week Auburn plays up there um, in a few weeks, but. Hopefully by then they actually have the the scoreboard established in its future location and not hanging from a a crane swaying. Hopefully we score enough that we that um, the changes in the score weigh it down and make it sway. You know, get those bulbs turning. But let's move on to another yeah, is- another team in the state of Alabama, and this was this is a huge shocker. South Alabama beats the crap out of Oklahoma State, thirty-three to seven. I mean, who saw this crap coming? I just, I don't know. Nobody. I mean, that's just nobody. The Cowboys have been very, very good under Gundy. Oh, I mean, they've been very good for a long time. And you know, this isn't even a trap game. This is just, this is preseason. This is getting warmed up for the Big Twelve. Yeah. And I hope that's not an indicator of how the Cowboys yeah. plan on playing the rest of the season. Oh, no. We move on. We got Syracuse, who I believe may be undefeated, if I look at that correctly, beats Purdue 35-20. to 20. Here's another big shocker, another team that has just fallen off the face of the earth. Sacramento State beats Stanford. 30 to 23. I think there was a big play at the end on this one. I saw some highlights, but that is just, I mean, Stanford, I know they're not top of the Pac-12, but you expect them to be at a certain level, and they have dropped off tremendously. It's crazy. So yeah, ever up. since David Shaw's departure and even his last couple of years, it's just not been good. Um, you know, because obviously he took over for Harbaugh after Harbaugh left for the NFL. And what they had was a very good program built. And to your point, you made the joke earlier, they always had the runner up, you know, they were the Buffalo Bills of the Heisman trophies. Um yeah. because they had yeah. the runner up. But three years they, in a row. This is, this is the school that produced Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Broke all the records for all purpose yards and everything else. Um this is a school that went to the Rose Bowl. 
multiple times. So, you know, seeing Stanford, seeing the Cardinal in such bad shape, it's almost sad. Um, and then particularly, like we've discussed already on this show, the uptick in the Pac-12 is real right now. It's, it's very, very, very real. From the offensive firepower, the coaching, the playmaking, um, what did you say? Eight out of twenty-five of the top. Eight out of the top twenty-five. Yeah. So right. there you go. I mean, they've got three and, of our top ten, and the Big Ten has three of our top ten. Yeah. So it's it's incredible how close everything is in the Pac-12, and Stanford seems to be out on that island by themselves where they can't get it together. Um, and it is kind of sad because they really were a very good football team defensively, had a great running game, really good special teams. And I don't know, it's a lot of question marks. A lot of question when you're getting beat by teams that that you don't play, that's that's a yeah, that's a sad situation. Well, I hate to tell you, they're not on the island by themselves because Arizona State has oh, yeah. Eight turnovers and got beat twenty nine to nothing against Fresno well, State. That's because they fired Herm Edwards. If they kept Herm Edwards around, they would have only had five turnovers for Pete's sake. So they still would have lost. So you he know, fumbled in five interceptions. That is just insane. Eight. And as I told, as I told you, Terry, and if I'm not mistaken, they drew USC coming off of that performance. <laughs> That's going to be ugly. We're not going to learn anything about USC for a while. Oh, boy. Not until they play Colorado, you know, really. And that's two weeks. So, Um, we both have our favorite teams. So, we're going to talk about these scores just a little bit. We're not going to dive in as much as the other bigger teams because we know we're both going to rebuild. But Nebraska 35, Northern Illinois 11. You watched this game, I know. Tell me what you saw this week. Uh, defense lockdown. Nebraska is officially the number two rushing defense in the country. They are tied for with the third with uh, at number three for the most turnovers. They are gang tackling. They're open field tackling. They're attacking. Uh, the problem is they lost two key key uh, offensive players this week, uh, both to dislocations. So looks like those are season ending. I didn't realize a dislocation was season ending, but these, these seem to be, which indicates something got torn. Um, and one of them is the running back, the big uh, Urban. Ur- uh, yeah, Urban, the big running back, number 22. And um, so we'll see what happens. You know, they're getting ready to get into Big Ten play. The defense is gelling. This is what's going to keep Nebraska in football games. The quarterback play. Uh, one thing I noticed about Nebraska this week and this may be why they have two offensive players that got hurt. Jerry, they were finishing plays by lowering the shoulder and putting the boom on the other players on the defense. It's been a long time since I've watched my beloved Nebraska Cornhuskers, a quarterback, mind you, drop his shoulder and put the boom on a defender trying to tackle him. Oh, yeah. So – that's something that always gets me excited. I love to watch it. And, again, the defense played lockdown. Uh, there were a couple – the first quarter when Northern Illinois came out pumped up, it looked like we might just screw ourselves again. And then 
everything calmed down. The defense took over. Tony White's doing an amazing job as the defensive play caller. The three three five will work to stop the run. It will. Do, it does allow blitz packages and exotic looks. Um, we're going to get tested. I mean, we got Louisiana Tech coming in. They're always a very good offensive football team. And then the week after, it's Michigan, baby. So we'll see how bad that uh, that Nebraska really is because Michigan's got a great defense, a good offense. Um, they're going to test that offense, and that defense is going to be what keeps Nebraska in any of these games right now, especially if they've got injuries. But I was really excited. First win for Matt Rule. He got the game ball from uh, from Trev Alberts, the uh, AD and oh, former yeah. former – former linebacker, you know, best linebacker in the country in 93. Um, so Alberts gave him the game ball, and uh, he got his first home win in front of Memorial Stadium, you know, 94,000 Nebraska fans, um, home sellout number 385, 86, 72, whatever it is. It's, like I said, since 1962, we sell the place out. So uh, looking forward to it. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Louisiana Tech, though, do not overlook them. Do right. not overlook that football team going into Michigan because you talk about a trap, that's a trap. That's true. And I'm going to segue a little bit. One thing is, if your Cornhuskers found some way to knock the number two team on my list off in a couple of weeks, you would be freaking unbearable. I will tell you that. <laughs> But I'm pulling for it because I like K. <laughs> not wrong. I but I will say, you mentioned, you mentioned Trev Albert. And one thing I remember Trev Albert for was when he would do um, the show with Mark May and uh, I guess Lou Holtz or the after hours thing, the game day final or whatever it was on ESPN. And when um, in 2004, when USC and Oklahoma play for the national championship and Auburn was undefeated and was left at number three, Trev Albert was trying to pull them up into the top two spots. And um, I will always remember him for that because the other guys were arguing with him the whole time, but he was consistently saying Auburn should be the number two team. But anyway, Auburn had Do their you remember? That year. They blew it. Do you remember the final score of the USC-Oklahoma game? It was not close. 55 to 19. Yeah. I know. And Oklahoma just got rolled. It, <laughs> it was ugly. God, it was ugly. I watched the whole thing. It was terrible. Anyway, moving on, Terry. Your turn. Oh, it was. No, it, is, hold on. I got this. So now, ladies and gentlemen, Terry only reserved four sentences for his team, the up and coming, rebuilding, not there yet, Auburn Tigers. All right, so it was homecoming on the Plains this week, and there were a lot of pretty girls in their in their homecoming outfits and such. And, um, you know, I was not there. I should have been there. That would have been great. Um, Auburn wins 45-13 against Samford. Uh, Samford, for those who don't know anything about Samford, it is a um, – small law school, basically, in Birmingham. Um, there's a pretty good connection with Auburn University because Pat Sullivan coached there for a very long time, and Pat Sullivan was the first Heisman winner for Auburn um, in the 70s. 
So, um, so that's um, there's connection there. But you know, I watched a lot of this game. Um, my concerns are not, you know, there was no concern about this game being close. But when you play a game like this, you look at the way you won. What did you have to do to win? Um, they came out slow. They were trying to install some offense. Some things weren't working. So they end up just leaning on the athleticism of the guys. And that, to me, is telling because you're not going to be that much better athletically when you start playing the other games that are coming up. So you need to be able to figure out those things that you failed at. So I'm pretty critical of Auburn in their 45-13 win, but um, I will say that Auburn's defense, uh, the secondary has played very well all year. They've always been every week near the top of the um, secondary grades. Um, Auburn needs to improve on the defensive line and the linebackers. I feel like good running teams are going to run all over them, especially a quarterback that can run. I'm afraid of that. Um, the offense to me is not as good um, from a running standpoint because we don't have Tank Bigsby this year like we had last year. He's on the Jacksonville Jaguars, I believe. There's not that stud running back. Jarquez Hunter's good, but he's just not that guy. Um, they got Peyton Thorne from Michigan State. He's a solid quarterback, but he's nothing spectacular. He had a big game against Sanford, um, but he's one of those quarterbacks you expect him to, to do decent, but um, he's just not going to take over. So there's a lot of question marks still. They're getting better. They're improving. The offensive line is better than it was last year. But they are definitely a year or two from really being able to play with the big boys. And they go to Texas A&M this week, and I'm a little nervous about that, honestly. Uh, they beat Texas A&M last year, but this is where I say I can't tell you if Auburn's better this year than they were last year or not. And there's just so many changes that the team is different. I think they're heading the right direction, but just from a talent standpoint, I don't know. We'll see how it shakes out. Uh, we'll be pulling for them, but um, that's kind of this week's Auburn status. 3-0, and can't complain about that, but um, could go from 3-0 and to 3-4 and because the next four weeks are Texas A&M, Georgia, uh, I don't remember the other two, but Four tough games coming up. Ole Miss is in there. Um, and I don't remember the other one, but these next four games could possibly all be losses unless they come out and really, really play well. You give A&M a lot of credit. I think Auburn can beat A&M. They now, can. Yeah. Do you have a chance against the Dogs? Absolutely not. You might as well just leave it at home, Terry. Bring all the white towels with you because Kirby's coming for that ass. But as far as as far as A and M is concerned, I think they believe their own press to the point where you guys might be able to sneak a win out of them. That's all I'm saying. Don't don't count your boys out with A and M yet, because Jimbo is not not got that control. And look, I think Jimbo, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, and it's probably I don't know if this is a good time to talk about it or not. 
he's got to be getting close to the hot seat, doesn't he? Or are they just afraid to cut ties with him because of all that money? It is not delivered. I mean, it's like sixty-five million this year or something. Uh, it goes down to forty-something million. It's a ton of money there. Um, I don't yeah, because didn't they guarantee him nearly a hundred million or something or seventy? Some Great. stupid number was it seventy? Yeah, five, eighty, ninety, whatever it was. It was stupid number. Yeah. But he hasn't delivered on that contract. He hasn't. He's not delivered the results that warrant that contract. Well, they've got Bobby Petrino as the offensive coordinator now. Um, you know, I guess I've only watched – I watched some of the Miami game. And, um, you know, of course, they didn't look great there. But, you know, I think Miami handled them pretty well. But um, – I don't know. As far as the talent level goes, Texas A&M definitely has more higher-level recruits than Auburn does. Uh, I don't know what to say about it until it shows up, but I'm pretty pessimistic until I see them come out swinging and beat somebody. So this is just kind of fan I am, I guess. You know, I'm going to rank Alabama a little higher just because I don't want to be wrong about them, and I'm not going to give Auburn enough credit until they do it. So – the other team I couldn't think of was LSU. So the next four games for Auburn are A&M, Georgia, LSU, and Ole Miss. That is a heck. Yeah, you're losing. You're losing at least three of them. Right. Yeah, and that's my thought. Uh, I, at the beginning of the year, when I was trying to pick this, I was saying we win one of these, um, either Ole Miss or A&M. Um, Ole Miss looks pretty good. Um, LSU and Georgia, I don't see us beating either one of them. It's been that way for a while, too, and that's why we get coaches fired because those two teams are rivals and they own us. Uh, everybody wants to say it's because of the record against Alabama, but it's not just them. You know, that's one of them I get defensive about. But, you know, um, Georgia and LSU are going to be losses unless some miracle happens. But this may be the, the best chance this week of the next four for Auburn to pull win. But we've talked enough about my Tigers. That's where we are. We'll talk about it more next week. I might, you know, the intro is going to have me screaming and shouting if Auburn goes and wins. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. Break so, loose, uh, Terry. Everybody root for Auburn so we can hear Terry have personality. I'm doing all the heavy lifting on this show. My wow. God. Jack ass. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so let's – um. Let's see. So I guess we're not going to be real consistent about the number of games we pick. We've been picking just a few games lately because there's been no games that were even worth picking. This week we got some games worth picking. So let's run them down. We don't have to overanalyze them, but um, let's go through here. Clemson FSU. What are you thinking here? Obviously, Florida State is near the top. Clemson had a bad loss to Duke. Do they bounce back and, and, um, Put it to Florida State here? I don't think so. I think Florida State repeats what Jameis Winston and his team were able to do in 2013. They walked into Death Valley. They forced a turnover on the first offensive series Clemson had, and it was all downhill from there. I think Travis and company on Florida State bounced back from their bad performance with BC, and I think you see a 14-17, 21-point victory for the boys from Florida State. And Dave in the QC, you're welcome. 
there it is. You got your quota for mentions of days for the week. Yeah. All right, I agree with you there. I think Clemson probably makes it a decent game. Um, like you said, a touchdown game or so. But I just oh no, I said two touchdowns, maybe three. Oh, okay. You're going to be more conservative than I am, Terry. But it's going to be fourteen, seventeen, or twenty-one. I mean, I really believe we're talking two or three score game in okay. favor Florida State. And by the way. It's at Death Valley. That's right. So it's in Clemson. It's at yep. Clemson. But I am I am all in on Florida State. Go Knowles. I'm seeing it more seven or ten, but I, I do agree with you on Florida State on this one. Um, go Knowles. But let's move to Colorado, Oregon. My opinion here is, um, especially with Travis Hunter out, the line is 20. I don't know that it's necessarily going to be 20, but I see it being 14. Yeah, I don't I don't think they can they I don't think they can win without him. He is so important to both sides of the ball. I don't think they can win without him unless Dion can do something that even the best coaches in the league can't do and that's replace a player in 6 days. And to your point, I think 20 is a little strong. Somebody's given Oregon's defense a lot of credit or something because we know both offenses can score. We know they can both play. We know they're both ballers. Um, but I think in the environment that they're going to be tested under without their key player, Colorado loses probably two touchdowns. I don't think I want to say 20 points. But Eugene is a hard place to win. And you're going to have a geared-up, ramped-up Oregon we talk about Dion's motivation and all this stuff. You don't think Oregon wants to shut him up? You don't think they want to send Colorado home after they've spanked their asses? I mean, I think, and I, I may be wrong, Terry. I think that some of the loudmouth and the antics and all the stuff of Coach Prime may backfire on him because he's going to have a team that he's going to run into, and he's going to run into two in the next two weeks. Oregon can play, and we damn sure know USC can play. And he has both of them. So um, I think the environment gets him as much as having Travis Hunter out. It's two scores or better, and Oregon wins this one. All right. Let's stay out west. And we got UCLA, Utah. I was looking to see if I could find the spread on this one. I think Utah's favored by like four. Um, this is going to be my upset of the week here. I'm going UCLA on this. Yeah, uh, Chip Kelly's there. You know, he's always got something up his sleeve. His teams always play tough in big moments. I'm going to stick to my guns and say Utah gets it done. I think this one is close. Close, close game. Comes down to maybe the last possession or a last mistake, you know, inside the fourth quarter. But I'm going to give this to Utah. I think their defense gets it done. One stop too many for Chip Kelly and his offense. All right. We got a big one here. Um, Ole Miss at Alabama. Alabama's favored by seven. Um, this is not my upset of the week, but I am going with Ole Miss here. Uh, I, I went against myself where I say I don't pick against Alabama, but I'm doing it. 
Yeah, I'm. Uh, this is my upset of the week, and I don't think I'm going to call it an upset. In fact, I think Ole Miss is the better team. I think they're playing better football. Um, I think maybe Alabama has a slightly better defense, but at this point, if their offense doesn't do any better than they've done in the last couple of weeks, it's not going to matter. Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin gets the big win, and I want to say, Terry, that he's going to beat Saban by two touchdowns or more. Ooh. Wow, I'm going to throw that little detail in there. He's taking notes. Or more. See, I picked them, but I ain't saying that. (laughs) I think it's three (laughs) points or something. Okay, we'll go with it. I think this next one should be pretty straightforward, but it's one of them we picked, Arkansas and LSU. It is at LSU. LSU's favored by 17 and a half here. Any reason to believe it's any different than that? Um, other than it's Arkansas, no. Uh, Arkansas has a way of getting LSU's number. We talked about McFadden and uh, the other running back, I forget. Houston Nutt was the coach. But it was, you know, Felix Jones, that's right. Felix Jones and McFadden, they had that big game against LSU. Uh, But again, that was 15, 16 years ago. You've seen them, you've seen it. It used to be the Thanksgiving game or the day after, and now it's been moved you know, uh, light of the Alabama or not even Alabama game, whatever the game is now, because uh, it's the Iron Bowl for Alabama. But anyway, I'm going to say that LSU keeps it rolling and they win this one, but I don't think it's 17 and a half. I think Arkansas keeps it a little closer than that personally. Yeah, uh, that's a little steep for me. 17 and a half sounds like a lot. I mean, I know LSU's good. They're better than what they showed in the one game. But um, I don't think Arkansas is as bad as that loss to BYU because they were up and then BYU came back. I think they're going to look for some redemption. I don't think they're going to win. But I think 17 and a half is a lot of points. A lot of points, yes, sir. Yep. So here's two hated teams. I bet you can figure out which game we're talking about here. Ohio State is favored by three and a half against Notre Dame. I've got Ohio State in a close game. This may be the best game of the week. Two teams that are in our top ten. Where do you see this going? Put it in reverse, Terry. Notre Dame by at least a touchdown over Ohio State. This is my upset of the week. I... Never thought I'd be Catholic again, but we're rooting for the Irish on this one because fuck Ohio State today, tomorrow, and forever, and the Lord would even agree with that. That's that's hilarious. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) At least a touchdown. Okay. So the next game, Iowa. Don't ask questions. It's absolutely irrational. The Iowa and Penn State, obviously Penn State is seen as the better team here. They're both 3-0. and They're both in the AP poll. Penn State's favored by 14-and-a-half here. I, I see Penn State by 10, maybe 14. I think the line is not too ridiculous. What are your thoughts here? What do you see from Iowa against Penn State? I think what we see is a little bit closer game, but the problem is is Penn State's defense is going to stifle Iowa's non-existent offense, 
and I was not going to have that many chances to score. So I'm going with Penn State. I think they win big. Um, and and what was the spread? Did you say? Uh, that spread is fourteen and a half. I'm going three touchdowns or more. Seriously, I I think. Penn State is on a mission. They've got to prove they're one of the best teams in the Big Ten. And the only way they can do that is by beating teams up. Illinois was one thing, but that's a very similar team to the way Iowa plays in terms of the defense, the running game, etc. Iowa has been made fun of across the Big Ten for the last couple of years that they have no offense, that there is no real offense at the at the University of Iowa. Um as a Nebraska fan, I can't stand Iowa just because they decided to make it personal to quote Dion, not us. So fuck them too. And go Penn State, Nittany Lions, 21 points or more. That's what I'm calling. Well, all right. We got one more to pick. Two Pac-12, undefeated Pac-12 teams that haven't gotten a lot said about them so far. Oregon State is favored by three points over Washington State. The game is at Washington State. I'm picking Oregon State in this one. They're favored by three. I think the spread looks about right. What are your thoughts here? I'm going to go with the home field advantage and give Washington State the upset on this one. I think they, they Oregon State should beat them. I don't think they will. That'll be decent because these are two teams we just haven't talked about. Oregon State is number 14 in the AP poll, and they're doing that very quietly. Interesting. That Pac-12 is good this year. So that's all of the picks for this week. We've both stated our upset alert of the week. Mine is UCLA over Utah. Yours is Notre Dame over Ohio State. Um, the only other game – that I'm showing interest in, not because the teams are good, but I'm calling this the Redemption Bowl because we talked about their crappy outings this last week. Oklahoma State, who got embarrassed by South Alabama, at Iowa State, who got embarrassed by Ohio. Somebody's got to win the Redemption Bowl this week, so that'll be an interesting one to figure out about. I don't know if I want to watch it, these are two teams that don't seem to be showing anything great, but I thought that was pretty interesting after they both stunk it up that they're playing each other. Nebraska snubbed Seneca Wallace of Iowa State back in the day. Said he was too small to play quarterback there, and he absolutely destroyed Nebraska's defense. I forget what year it was, maybe 2-5, 2-6, whatever. It was under Callahan, and we don't like him either. So, you know, he's about like Ohio State for fans of Nebraska Cornhuskers. Anywho... Moving on, we're picking Oklahoma State only because Nebraska's defense back in the day had to deal with Barry Sanders, didn't know exactly how to stop him, but always got the W. Anyway, it's Oklahoma State getting the victory. Go Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, I think um, Gundy or Van Gundy, as you called him earlier. Yeah, Van Gundy. It's he, Van Gundy. Yeah, he, They're all goals. He's a man. He's got to be getting close to 60 by now, right? I don't know. How long ago has it been since he said, I'm a man, I'm 40? I don't know. He, he's getting old now. But he's got a few punches left in him. Um, that that may be a terrible game. But I'm with you on that. I think Oklahoma State goes into Iowa State and gets a win. I don't have any more games listed here to pick. 
um, I'm actually going to track this this time. That way, next week I remember what we said. You know, last I didn't write anything down last week. I'm learning, like I said, getting better every week. You have any final thoughts? I got nothing else here listed on my five pages of notes. So, what are your thoughts on either last week or this week, or just where we are in the season? So I think we're starting to see the big teams coming together. Um, the next couple of weeks are going to show us which of those teams are the elite teams and who everybody is going to be gunning for. And that's what I love about college football because I'm challenging Alabama to act like Alabama this week. Um, they've got to if they think they've got a shot against Ole Miss, but I'm calling it Lane Kiffin finally gets the big win against Nick Saban. Uh, it's been a long time coming, and Lane will deserve it when it does happen. Um, I think Texas gets real physical this week. I don't even know if, or if they're even on, actually. But uh, whenever they play again, if they don't play this week, if they play, if it's not till next week, I think Texas is going to end up being more physical the way they played Wyoming. I think Ohio State and and Notre Dame has that possibility to be the game of the week, and like you. I think UCLA's got a puncher's chance of putting Utah on their butt. So there's so many fun games this week, Terry, and we will know far more at this time next week than what we do this week because, like you said, you got Colorado, Oregon, both undefeated, both wanting the Pac-12. We got Washington State, Oregon State. You got Utah and UCLA. You've got Notre Dame and and Ohio State. Um you know, so a lot of big games with significant consequences because, let's face it, there's not going to be more, more than one Pac-12 team that makes the playoff. Right. And you have eight of them in the top 25. Well, and to they're going to come over to four before it's said and done. answer your question from a minute ago, Texas played at Baylor this week. On ABC, they'll roll. They'll roll. Yeah. So there's. I don't think there's much doubt. That would be the story of the weekend if Baylor won. So they're playing, but they're not playing anybody worth worth much. Oklahoma does play at Cincinnati, so that might be interesting. If Cincinnati, and look, we're not giving we're not giving Oklahoma. I don't think enough respect. It's not. And by the way, Sooners fans, if you're listening, because I know we've got a few of you in our group. Um, it isn't because Brent Venables isn't doing a nice job. Oklahoma's quarterback's completing 80% of his passes. He's only thrown one interception this year. They've put 60 on everybody they've played, but they haven't played anybody just yet. So after the raid of his talent from the last year, this is his second year in, Venables has Oklahoma looking much more like Oklahoma that we're so familiar with. So. We'll see where it progresses from there. Obviously, there's going to be a ton of movement inside our top 15 next week and uh, potentially inside the top 10, considering we've got a couple top 10 matchups, including U.S. or not at USC, excuse me, including Ohio State and Notre Dame. So, um, yeah, man, it's going to be fun. We're going to we're going to find out a lot. And by the way, as promised, if somehow in Eugene, Coach Prime takes down Oregon along with his boys there at Colorado. I'm putting them in the top 10. They might be 10, 
but I'm putting them in the top ten because they're the real deal if they beat the Ducks in Oregon. Don't think they will, but if they beat the Ducks in Eugene, they're the real deal. And that's the reason we don't get too wrapped up in it because we know that there's opportunities ahead for all of these teams. You know, Georgia had South Carolina and struggled a little bit. They're going to have other opportunities against good teams to prove themselves. Some of these other teams have played three nobodies. They're going to have opportunities to prove themselves. So it'll shake itself up. But what I'm excited about this week is that the need for me to have more TVs set up in my living room is increasing as the weeks go. And I've had to change streaming services to allow me to watch enough football. And that's really exciting. I'm going to take 10 pages of notes this week, going to gather it all up and get ready for it. For all of you that listen to us make our picks for all these games, I'm going to get with our social media department, uh, me, and um, I'm going to put some polls out there to see what you guys think about this. Um, if you want to call us idiots, go ahead and do that. We love that. Um, we, you know, Me more than Terry. Team. What about that Terry team? Takes, yeah, t- Terry takes it a little personally when you call him idiots because he's so prepared. Me? Here's, here's, a, here's a, a spoiler alert, fans. I don't give a shit. Call me an idiot. Because here's the thing. I am, and I embrace it. And I'm going to be an idiot tomorrow and the next day and the day after that, too. Promise. Terry has text messages. He can prove it. All right. Well, thank you, as always, Andrew. It's been a good, lengthy conversation here. We've had a lot to talk about. We'll have a lot to talk about next week. We appreciate all the attention everybody gives and and all the uh, likes. And uh, please you know, if you like the show, go give us a review. Uh, five stars would be nice. Um, you can find us on um, Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. And you can find us on the Android uh, podcast thing, whatever that's called, Google. I, I don't, I've got an iPhone, so I don't look at that one too close. But um, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, maybe we'll have video at some point. We're getting a little bit better every week. You know, this is Coach Speak for the podcast, just like it would be for the team. But uh, we appreciate you all. We love you. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.